Welcome to the Mastering B2B Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Jesus McDonald. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show as always. And uh, yeah, today, special guest, Linda Malone. She's a high conversion copywriter. And we ended up partnering uh, together and she redid our website copy. And I wanted to bring her on the show specifically about website copy because I feel like it's undervalued, just like web dev. And I also feel like well, a lot of things are undervalued marketing, which is a different topic. I don't want to go on a rant, but uh, it really has changed my mindset on how I view copywriting, how I view my approach to websites. And for those that don't know, I am an SEO expert. Um, I don't know if I still call myself that, but I am an SEO expert, meaning I focus a lot on the page titles, meta descriptions, image alt tags, links, all that stuff, right? So I came from a very uh, SEO uh, mindset and the goal was to rank on Google. Where Linda, we met on LinkedIn, power of LinkedIn and networking. And we were talking about, she helped me to just learn and, and grow on how to even approach website copy, not just for SEO and ranking, uh, but more for what does my audience need, want, pain points, all those stuff. So we're going to dive into all that stuff. Linda, thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Last time we tried to record this, my, uh, I don't know, my internet was down or something. I had the, something happened. the internet guys are like, oh, this is recording. Let me cut it off. <laughs> So I'm glad we're able to do this. We're persevering. So it is what it is. Plowing ahead. Yeah, exactly. So one of the things, how about how about you touch a little bit about your services, Linda, what you do specifically, and then you know, each project, Jerem Web Marketing's website is considered one project, but each project is different, right? And maybe just touching on what you offer and then what specifically you provided for Jerem. Well, I'm a conversion copywriter, certified conversion copywriter. So what that means is, is there's all different types of copywriters out there. And there is like you had hired an SEO copywriter before, which is the focus there was right. on making sure that your site ranked in Google. But then what happens is when people find you on Google and they get to your page, that's where my, um, my work takes over, which is to get people to take action once they're there. So my focus is on revenue. Um, I focus on B2B and my, the copywriting is based all on an extensive amount of research, including decision-making psychology, um, just interviews with the client interviews with the, the buyers and potential buyers. And it takes, all of that, combining all of that to find a value proposition, which is the foundation for everything that I write. So it depends, it varies client to client, depending on what the product or, or service is, and then also the specific, you know, buyers that are, that you're trying to attract and the action that you want them to take. So my work is, I mean, 
I can use it for you know emails, anything that you want to convert. So landing pages, web pages, you know, home pages, that sort of thing. Um, but emails also, Facebook ads, I've been doing a lot of. Um, but my favorite thing to do is really web pages, just because yeah. I don't know. I just like the story that I can tell, you know, for a company like yours. I mean, the, the thing with with your uh, business is that you have so many competitors, but you want to differentiate yourself. And the only way, and this is for everybody, but especially if you have a lot of people who are in your space, how will you set yourself apart? And that was, um, I think we'll get into that later, but that was the, one of the challenges. So that was what I did for you is to bring forward what your best qualities and what the benefits and features were that would attract your ideal customer, your buyer. Yeah. And it was funny too, because Linda, when she was interviewing me and asking me questions, she mentioned who's your competitors. I'm like, I don't have competitors. (laughs) And and, uh, I was like, okay, that's one of those rolling your eyes moment for Linda. But it was true. I was so I really thought like when it came to web dev, everyone and their moms do web dev, right. And their cousins. So, but I wasn't thinking about it that way, like from freelancer or anything. I just thought of it from an agency sample, but even agencies, there's a lot that do web dev. I was more thinking about it. No one's doing it at the level that we're doing. No one's posting on LinkedIn at the level that we're doing consistently. Um, and no one's edu- like no one's educating their customers or potential customers. So to me, I really felt like the only person that is running with me, like side by side, would probably be Sam Moss at One Click Agency, because I just see them all over LinkedIn, um, all over Slack communities, all over pretty much everywhere, right? And he offers the same service, which is WordPress Web Dev for B two B SaaS companies. So to me. That was a really, I I thought it was an easy question, but it was harder than I thought because the more we dug into it and she was like, you got to have more competitors. You got to do this. And it can't just be Sam Moss. (laughs) (laughs) Well, also, even if you, you know, even if you were completely different from everybody else, it wasn't on your website. Mm. I mean, there are people who have unique products, but if no one knows that you're there, it doesn't matter what you're doing, you know, beneath the surface or behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember our headline. So our homepage, that uh, first section block on the homepage, the headline H1 tags for you SEO people was uh, website design and development experts. Right. And that was all for SEO purposes. Right. (laughs) And Linda just changed that 100% to something along the lines of if your website fails, it's on you. And it's like, right. dang, punch <laughs> in the, the reality check. <laughs> we came up with that together though. Do you remember? I mean, I yeah. said, if your website fails and I forget what I originally said. And you said, well, these are VPs of marketing. It's it's on them. And I said, that sounds great. It's on you because you want to capture that attention. Like people going it's so through. true. Yeah. It is so true. Uh, yeah. The CMO, VP of marketing, director of marketing, it's really on them. So if they go into a meeting with the CEO, the CEO is going to look at them right between the eyeballs and say, why is the website down? Right. Why is this issue happening on the website? And it becomes on them. And now they got the heat. <laughs> That's the pain point right there. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody wants yeah. to look bad in a meeting either. No. <laughs> you don't want to lose buyers from having your website down, potential buyers. So yeah. to me, that was good. 
Let's talk a little bit about your specific approach to JRM, our website, because I think this is going to bring a lot of good insights and a lot of value. One, working with the conversion copywriter, but two, on how to approach it. Well, the first thing we did is had a discovery call, which I wish there was a different name for that because everyone calls discovery call a discovery call, but it's a, it's a very in-depth interview that I did with you. And it's beneficial in a number of different ways. I mean, obviously I want to get all the information that I need so that I have a basis for starting the interviews and all that mm. with, with your customers and potential you know, buyers. But also I wanted to have you think about some of the questions I asked, like, um, you know, like what were the pain points and what do you perceive as a pain points for your buyers? And then I would dig into and kind of peel back the layers when you would answer. And I do this no matter who I'm interviewing or whether it's a buyer or whether it's, you know, the client is to get beyond that surface answer, because there's always, you know, there's a, a right. I've posted about this on LinkedIn where you just keep asking, well, why is that? And why is that? And someone had said, well, people get really defensive when you keep asking why. So it's, I will word it differently, but just to make you really think about where is this coming from? And a lot of times those are just eye-opening moments for you as well as me. And I think right. you had a couple moments in the, in the interview where you, you said that, right? All right. Yeah, so, so I start with that and then I get into the research on my own, which is everything from blog posts on your topic. I go into th to sites like Reddit and I go into sites like Quora. What are people asking about? I went on the Better Business Bureau site. What are the biggest complaints about website developers? Mm. And then through all, and there's like a, a laundry list of, of, of different checklists that I go through. And then I start pulling together, you know, what is it that makes you different? What are people complaining about that would never be a problem for you? And those, that's what I make sure is in the copy so that people know you're not like all the rest. <laughs> yeah. And really speaking our audience's language, right? That was another thing right. too. I was right. speaking my language and our about page was about us. It wasn't about them. And, and that's usually, that's usually what you see. It's yeah. yeah. And I learned that from you. Yeah. It's always about the company, the culture, uh, their achievements, uh, funding, all that stuff. And it's like, who cares what you accomplished? <laughs> like <laughs> what's in it for me. Right. Right. And that was a mind shift. I call it selfless marketing. I, I'm just going to coin it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Trademark it. Trademark that selfless marketing. No, because it really is. It's really considering your audience on a whole deeper level, which also means you have to change your processes to make it easier for them. Right. Like they're coming in wanting something. You have to put your wants to the side and meet what their, what their wants are. So, and yeah. And even with an about page, I mean, you can talk about yourself. I mean, obviously they want to know what your experience is and what your track record is and that sort of thing and how you operate, but, but how does that relate to what they need? Right. So you talk about it in a way it's like, and this benefits you because. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. The other thing I wanted to talk about, let me see here. Um, the deep customer insights that you found because you did interview a few of our customers and former customers. And I'm curious to know like what you found specifically just to kind of bring that to surface. Um, and it also helps with, you know, our audience who are listening or even watching this understand what are those things to look for? Well, the number one thing I found was people valued the responsiveness 
of you and your team. That is something I saw complaints about in Better Business Bureau with other companies and people complained about all over the place on the internet that, you know, I hire this web development team and I can't reach them. And it could be a number of reasons. One is the, the company, the developers were based outside the U.S. So the time zone difference yeah. was like, I'm trying to reach somebody. I have an emergency and they're asleep because they're on, you know, it's 3 a.m. Mm. And so that was something that I made sure was first, you know, up front and, you know, right up front in your copy. Um, and that, I mean, that was the number one thing by far. I kept hearing yeah. that over and over. And then that they liked you. I mean, there is a personality thing. If you're working with somebody on a long-term project like this, you have to, you have to be comfortable with them at least, if, you know, and ideally you, you like them because you have to go back. There's so much back and forth and you have mm. to have an understanding. And so there was that, and it was, those were the main things was just the responsiveness. And the one person who said that they were, um, they had an emergency on a holiday mm -hmm. and that you actually, when I talked to you about this, you said you were at a dinner, I think it was Easter or something. And you said, I have to take this call. And it was something that if it wasn't resolved, would have cost this company a tremendous amount of money, you know? Right. So that matters. That's where the value comes in. Yeah. And that's one thing that I hear a lot of it, like for customer reviews, um, or even speaking to the customers directly. So I, just for you guys listening, I'm the founder and CEO at JRM. I meet with my customers, some on a monthly basis, some on a quarterly basis, right? So you would think I have a ton of customer insights, but a lot of times, I mean, I do have a lot of customer insights, but a lot of times I'm not ask, asking that extra layer of questions deeper questions. And then I'm not writing it down. And the thing that I'm not doing for sure, wasn't doing for sure was putting that on the website. So that was huge. I didn't know the right questions to ask either. Um, so it was tremendously helpful to have Linda um, work with us and be able to help me um, by getting those deep insights, asking those right questions um, to where we even worked on a value prop. I did not even have a value prop like, what's your value prop? I'm like, wow, I can't even put a sentence together <laughs> for this one. <laughs> and if I did, it was garbage. So we would just trash it. Uh, and she proposed based on the customer interviews and the insights that she got from the web, like she proposed three value props and I chose one that was really solid and relevant to our audience and our services. And yeah, there's a lot of great stuff that we were able to uncover there. But that was one of the things that I remember was responsiveness to communication and also to getting stuff done because right. in marketing, you got to move fast. So that was one thing they really appreciated and something we are very proud of is our responsiveness to communication and to getting tasks completed. The other thing too, is that your website originally was very much like you'd expect a SaaS website or B2B website, which was kind of impersonal. It didn't really have a personality. Right. And that's something I see lacking in a lot of B2B websites. It's like, well, we have to be all serious. And you read about this all the time on LinkedIn. It's still people to people. There's still a person that's coming to that site. Right. It's not a robot. Well, maybe there's robots. I don't know. But <laughs> hopefully it's mostly people. <laughs> and so you talk in a way that relates to them in their language. This is what I find through the research. What words are they using? What phrases are they using? And make it um, simple. And I've talked about this before where, you know, people call it dumbing down. That's a horrible phrase because that's not what it is. When you, when you word things simply, whether it's an email, a website, 
or whatever, research has shown that even people with PhDs, highest intellect, still prefer and will read through more of a simple, uh, you know, simple narrative versus a lot of complicated words. Because it's almost like they put you put speed bumps in the copy when mm. you use a complex complex word when you could use something sim simple. Right. The fifth no. grade level, ideally, which people are like, what? It's not it's not like, you know, you're not reading Dr. Seuss. It's still, it's still fairly, you know, involved. Right. I think the whole goal is making sure that it, they can simply understand it without questioning it um, or just skipping over because they don't understand it. Right. Because you want them to understand everything. It's all linear connected. Because you had a lot of acronyms for the different. Um, I did. I had <laughs> HTML, CSS, <laughs> JS. PHP, <laughs> it's all these coding languages, right? And, you know, if, yeah, these marketers who are our customers are like, dude, we don't care. Like, <laughs> but they don't know what it is. That's why I think I even asked you, like, do people know what this is? And I think you said, well, developers would, right? But that's not your right. target audience. I mean, marketers so. know too, but they don't know the depths of it, right? But yeah, yeah, I'm not over here trying. That's another reason. I'm not. And a good point that you're making, I'm not here trying to attract developers. Uh, I'm making an assumption marketers know, but a lot of times that's not the most helpful acronyms. So, so I call the alphabet soup is what I ended up calling it. <laughs> yes, definitely. You guys check it out. Uh, our website, jrmwebmarketing.com. I know it's going to mess up our website traffic analytics, but it's all good. I don't care about that. I really genuinely want you guys um, to go to the website, look at the, the copy on our website. Linda did a fantastic job with it. I'm very, very super excited about it, fired up about it more than excited. And I really love the way it really talks. It takes them like on like a, a journey. It's like a storytelling, um, the way it's positioned, but it has a little of my personality in there. And I appreciated Linda even reaching out to me to like, say, Hey, what would you say here? What would you say here? these bullet points, elaborate more on the bullet points. I don't understand the bullet points. And I'm like, geez, there's so much things that I need to elaborate on, which was great because it challenged me and pushed me to uh, spell it out in plain English. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of that, even as marketers, where we don't really think about our audience to that level of degree. And a lot of the things that I asked you for more details was just that they were kind of um, vague statements and I forget exactly what some of the specifics were, but I, I see this most, it's very common. Like, it's like, if somebody says, you know, we're different than everybody else. Well, how mm. like that would, I, that's the kind of thing we're that I would ask. <laughs> right. It's like, how are you the best? You know? And, and everyone says, if it's anything that everyone else says, I would always want to break it down. Like, what do you mean specifically? And the thing was that you have all your developers in the United States that you are accessible you know, for emergencies on holidays. Mm. I mean, that's super important. I talked recently about on LinkedIn about us looking for movers because we're in the process of moving and right. no one had a value prop. We had to sift through all these movers and they were competing. Some were competing on price. So we're, and it just was, it was such a, it could have been alleviated if I had a couple of value props, like what is this company specialize in? It's the same with what you do. Mm. And it helped us to just really simplify this is who we are. This is what we do. I thought we were already doing that. But again, copywriting is not my expertise. So to me, I had a, can I write? Yes. Can I write an email? Yes. Um, 
can I DIY do it yourself for the website copy? Yes. But it's extra important to remember partnering, whether it's with a contractor, an agency, whoever it might be super important to get a second pair of eyes and they're experts already in their field. So to me, I'm, I recognize that this is not my expertise. So I had to step back and be like, whose expertise is this? And Linda just happened to be on LinkedIn and going back and forth. The other thing I wanted to mention too, Linda, because I think it's really important is when the one thing that they said was working with me a lot, the customers that you interviewed, because all about LinkedIn, I've been posting on LinkedIn consistently. Some of these customers reached out to me through a LinkedIn DM. So if you think about it from the whole customer experience, if it started on LinkedIn, social media, they listen to my podcast. They're talking to different Slack communities. I'm living in their feed. They're eventually going to take the action to reach out to me on LinkedIn DM or go to our website and fill out the form. So there's the inbound lead. That's the stuff that Chris Walker talks about. That's not trackable, right? Dark social. And it's real. Dark social is definitely real. But then when they are working with me, like they get the whole experience. Like I known you since you were on LinkedIn, we're talking every month now, every quarter now. Right. And when Linda interviewed them, it was my personality that they liked. It was my work ethic. It was what we offered as a service, not just me, but with our team as a company. So to me, that brought it to light on what differentiated us and what they loved about our services too. So I think if it would be wrong for us to exclude my personality or what they liked about working with me or what they liked about my LinkedIn experience, because the whole thing ties in together. Yeah, it absolutely does. And, uh, you know, again, it comes down to, you know, people like inbound leads and, and LinkedIn. I mean, those are, that's a process that takes time mm-hmm. you know? and people, people want to work with people they know and they're comfortable with. I mean, yeah. I do that all the time. You know, the first thing I think of is who do I know or who do I know that might know somebody who I'm looking for? And, totally. and that's not, you know, some, t- most of the time it works out. Um, I say most of the time because I was just reading something about the halo effect that mm-hmm. uh, usually pertains to food. Like if you think something, you know, like you're eating yogurt and even though it has gummy bears and chocolate chips in it, well, it's still yogurt. It has a halo effect. And and I was reading in one of these books, a marketing book that sometimes that happens with people too, if you don't know them well, but right. this, you know, the getting to know people over LinkedIn over time, you do get to know them. It just, it may not happen in a week, might Absolutely. even take six months to a year, but. Totally. Yeah. That's the thing. That's true. Um, even posting consistently, I've had customers that reach potential customers that reached out to me 12 months, 12 months after 12 months. So month 13, they're reaching out to me. Hey, been seeing you living in my feed for 12 months. And it's right. like, geez. Yeah, I'm patience. tired of it. Let's work together. <laughs> it was because of one video and a video is another thing. Okay. I'm, I'm talking now more of a marketing head over here, but yeah, video is very powerful. A lot of people underestimate it. I get text only is it's easy. Don't need to do video. Don't need to be in front of a screen. But when I post text only, I get high engagement. When I post video, I get inbound links. So 
that's a different topic, but I just want to throw that out there because a lot of the inbound leads we get is because of my videos. You have, you don't have videos on your website currently, right? No, no. What do you we think used just, to have like a culture video, mm-hmm. but that stuff is so old school. Um, I don't recommend anyone doing like a culture video. Um, again, it's about you. So <laughs> what I recommend is use that space for something that's going to convert. Especially that top, the hero section, they call it. And I, I use that term sometimes and people go, what is that? You know, it's the big heading on your, uh, that's on the homepage, right? Is that the only time you use that phrase? No, I guess you can have a hero section on, on any page. On any right? page. Mm-hmm. On any page. How much time do you have, Linda? Do you have a little bit more time? Sure. I had other questions too. So what stuck out to you the most um, from the research, from the copywriting, all that? <laughs> The, um, what I already mentioned about people saying their your responsiveness as far as as far as that the um, just that it was easier for me to to different to differentiate your business from your competitors and I thought it would be really tough but it wasn't once I saw where everybody else was going wrong mm. I was like okay well this just does this way better so that was the responsiveness having the, you know what everything i just mentioned um that was the number one thing that i i that stood out to me and how everybody uh, related to you on a personal level because again it's like you we think of b2b as just so oh, it's all business but right. it's not really it, it matters that people have a connection to you right and the other thing too is from a website design standpoint and development is our website before it was all stock photos. And what we ended up doing was putting images of me um, mixed with others on the team and mixed with Ludi files, which are like the little animated files, which is all over SAS websites right now. But the thing is, I did not want to limit Linda with her copywriting and she would probably differ on this, but I really wanted her to not be limited to creativity or writing. So she asked me, Hey, for the homepage, it has like three or four section blocks. You want me just write within the section blocks. And I said, write as long as you need to, in order to get your point across. Right. And to me, what was more important is having solid copy and the design will adjust to that. Yeah. And that's what we did for every page on our site is Linda will give me the copy and we would basically redesign that page and we would do it per page. Um, so pretty much it was a full redesign at the end of the day. Uh, but I wanted to make sure that we were 100% satisfied, both Linda and I, and we were getting feedback at every page. Um, and yes, I understand that at times could be an overkill, but that's how important website copy is to me. Okay. And that is the way it's, it should be, is it copy leads the design. I'm such a visual person, though. I have a hard time with that rule sometimes because, and that's mm-hmm. why I use things. Uh, there's a, a product called Draftium. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Like it, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a way to, to look at, to, to make a page kind of a prototype because I need to see what I think would work, especially now because there's such a, a trend with minimalistic, like very uh, limited narrative are you finding that with your own clients that just people don't want to read a lot they just want to i want to know what you do yeah so what i've come so what i was taught by a lot of 
I don't know, agencies, social media platforms is people's attention spams are very short. So same with videos, same with this. But what I'm coming to learn more of is if you're providing value, people will read it, mm-hmm. even if it's a, a long copy or a long form video. Like people want to watch it. People want to learn. People want to grow. And even when I think about LinkedIn, like when I write some really long form copy, I'm thinking about no one's going to read this. Engagement's going up high. Even with my videos, I still use that space to make sure because there's some people that don't watch the video. They just want to read. Right. So to me, I'm like, I make, I made the assumption because I was taught that people don't have time for this. Just throw a ton of stock images, more images, less text. That's what I was taught. Right. Um, And then you have the other people on the other end of the spectrum that were just hardcore SEO guys, where they're like heavy text less, less images and let's rank on number one on Google. And that was a nightmare because I was just overwhelmed every time I went to their website. I'm like, dang, I'm already feeling a lot. So nope, I'm out. Bounce rates up. (laughs) You have great SEO, but bounce rates up. (laughs) Ideally, you know, to write a a lot. I mean, research shows too that, that long form like sales pages actually convert better than short form. And and I've talked about this a number of times, especially on LinkedIn, that um, you want to write and design the page that it captures all different types of readers. There's people who scan. Most of us just skim a page. So mm. you have the hero section that pops out. You have, they call them crossheads and then also subheadings that are a bigger, bolder print that are separate. So if someone is skimming, they're going to catch all those. And so you right. want to make sure that you have enough of that so that people can get the idea without actually reading details. But there are some people, it's a small percentage. I want to say it's like 17% that will read every single word. Mm. So you have to have something for them too. The ones that really want to know the detail. Right. Yeah. No, I think you did a great job with our Thanks. website doing that because some of it was small. Some of it was detailed. Some of it was bullet points called action buttons. And that's one thing I learned too, is adding more call to action buttons. I mean, we had little to none on our website before. So our design was awesome, but the copy and images were not on point. (laughs) The messaging, all of that stuff. So really grateful. Last question that I had for you, Linda, and definitely let me know if you want to talk about anything else. I love talking about copying websites is uh, what was the biggest challenge that you experienced while working on our website? Well, it's funny because what I thought would be the biggest challenge wasn't, which I thought was, would be to differentiate you from all the other developers. So I think the biggest challenge was getting people to really talk about, you know, what was most important to them? Because sometimes it's abstract, you know, like the personal relationship um, that they have, like just, um, I think that was probably the biggest challenge, but I, you know, when I ask enough questions, I usually get into it, but it, it could take some digging. When you, so when you mean by that, it's like, hey, how's it working? What was the biggest challenge with the Seuss? Oh, he's great. There's no challenges with the Seuss. That kind of stuff. <laughs> Is that the kind of stuff you're talking about? <laughs> yeah, it was like that. It just, um, they would give, you know, one sentence answers when I was really looking for, like when I talk to people and I talk to buyers and potential buyers or previous, you know, customers, I look for quotes that are going to pop out mm. that, that will fit into the copy. Like a lot of times I'll make a note myself when they say something like this is going to be great as a a pop out quote. 
or as a heading, subheading or cross it, you know? And yeah. so that's, that's what I'm always looking for. That's why I really want people to talk to me at length. So the more information I'd rather have too much than not enough. So I think probably the biggest challenge is just to get people to, you know, keep talking about it. Cause it's yeah. usually it's, it's about a transformation. What was your life before you, you met? Oh Jesus? yeah. I like that. <laughs> and no, I like that. Yeah. It's true. It's, it's, it's talking about the story, right? So yeah. it's really the story and you're trying to come in like a reporter, right? Like yeah. interview you, what's the story so I can tell everyone. Right. So I love that. Is there like questions that help you to go deeper um, with the customers or is there like a specific question when you're like, I know this is the question that I always gets them. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny because I've interviewed people for so like, I've been a content writer, you know, way before I was a copywriter. And so I'm mm -hmm. used to just, I let the conversation flow organically. I don't really have a lot of set questions, but ideally, you know, if one of the questions I do like to ask is what, what made you realize you needed help with your website? What was that moment? If there was a moment or was it a gradual situation that just got worse and worse? Like what happened that, cause people aren't going to seek out a solution if there isn't a problem to begin with or something they perceive as a problem. So what was that point that you decided, okay, this isn't working. And one of your um, previous clients talked about not being able to make changes on the website on their own. And they would be really frustrated. And they, you know, they said that the, you set it up in such a way that they can go in even on a holiday weekend and just make changes and set up new, I think it was a new, um, even like a new box, like a sign up box or something. They were mm -hmm. able to do things that they couldn't do before. Um, so that frustration got them to, you know, reach out to you. Yeah. So I that's look a for classic that. One. Yeah. I look for that. Like, what was it that made you reach out? And the most important question is, you know, what were the biggest challenges? Why, why were you frustrated? Hmm. And then see where that takes me. Then I'll dig into that a little bit more. So I get those pain points for the hero section. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. And then you pretty much have everything on the table. You just have to sort it out. It's well, a lot to sort out. I have a like whole playing Tetris, right? System. I haven't played that, but it sounds complicated. So probably. <laughs> <laughs> Rubik's cube. <laughs> Rubik's cube. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's good. Well, that's all the questions that I have. Um, do you have any advice or tips for B2B marketers that are looking to update their website copy and maybe want to work with someone like you, or if they do already have someone in house, like what would be helpful for them to run it by their copywriter? I think the biggest thing that I'm running into is that people don't know what a conversion copywriter is. And because a lot of agencies say we have a copywriter and then I see the copy that they have written for a site. And it's like, that's typical. When I say typical copy, it's just, it says what the product is, but it doesn't really, it's not written to convert. The it's informational. Right. It's informational or entertaining. Everything I do is geared toward revenue and converting people and having them sign up, uh, request a meeting, whatever it is that the action is you want to take. Mm -hmm. And it's very different from a traditional copywriter. So that's the thing I wanted to get out there because um, I just run into that a lot. Just happened the other day. Somebody said, well, you know, we have a copywriter. It's like, yeah. but you don't have a conversion copywriter, <laughs> you know? And so that's, that's I think it's important. And, and we do tend to get paid more because it's, you're making more money. So right. It's worth it. Awesome. 
Well, thank you, Linda, for joining the show. And thank you, thank you, thank you for doing our website copy. Uh, I'm already seeing results from it. So to me, oh, great. I really appreciate it. We're getting, you know, bookings directly from the website. Um, and I've noticed that when people ask me, hey, do you know any conversion copywriters? Um, I send them the website. I'm like, if you like this, let me know. And they're like, send me that email intro. <laughs> so I know it works. I know they love it. I know it resonates with people. Um, so you guys that, again, who are listening or watching this, go check out the website, jeremymarketing.com. And if you need a conversion copywriter, reach out to Linda Malone on LinkedIn. And again, thank you. I'm grateful. Thank you. <laughs> Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mastering B2B Marketing Podcast. If you've been getting value from this podcast, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts in the review section. It will mean a lot to me. And lastly, make it a great day.